Uh, we're going to be continuing on in Philippians today, Philippians chapter number two. Philippians chapter number two. And in Philippians, you know, Paul's writing to him from prison and he's talking a lot about joy. And in chapter number one, I, I titled the sermon, Count Your Blessings, because Paul is in prison, but he's still blessed. And he's, he's letting them know the, the blessings he's received from them and, and, the fellow, and just the joy that he has in the fellowship that they have. And in chapter number two, it starts out, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Well, let's pray. Amen. So we're going to look at Philippians chapter number 2, and he says, If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, uh, when we talk about fellowship, and this is just kind of the topic that we've been on, we're not just talking about fellowship dinners. It's good to gather around the food, but we're talking about fellowship with each other. Now, you take it for granted in a church where there isn't problems, but if you've ever been in a church where there's problems, where there's somebody that rears their ugly head and wants to take over. I, I talked a little bit about this last week, but this is the path that we're on here. I, I don't see problems here. But what you see in a church is you see somebody that wants to step up above other people, that, that wants to elevate their position over other people, that wants to push their will onto other people. And this can happen in any other place. I was talking in Sunday school this morning, and one of the things that we take for granted, and I'll preach on God's wrath at other times, this, this is just one of those cushy messages, because this is <laughs> Philippians. But uh, when we... I, I talked about it in Sunday school a little bit at the end of Sunday school, but, you know, we take for granted in America as we grew up, there's, there's naturally a tendency toward charity. You know, Americans have had a tendency to want to send missionaries overseas, have wanted to, have wanted to provide charity for others that are in need. You know, Christmas time comes around and, man, you you put up the Christmas tree in the church or something like that or, you, or at the school and people sign off and say, well, I'll buy this gift or I'll buy that gift for a family that's in need. And our heart goes out to them. And we take that for granted. But when you look at other societies, it's not always like that. In other societies, the, the selfishness rears its head. It takes over. So when Jesus came along, the, the, Jew, the Jews at that time, the Pharisees, were all about themselves. They were all about how they looked to other people, and they were all about the external. And Jesus comes along over in Matthew chapter number 5, and I keep repeating this, but Jesus comes along in Matthew chapter 5 and changes everything on them. Yeah, you've been keeping the law. It is written, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's the easiest one, right? But I say unto you, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, committed adultery already in his heart. Jesus takes it from the external to the internal. And we see Paul here talking to the church at Philippi, and he has nothing to correct them on other than there's a little disagreement between two women. We don't know anything about it, but he talks about that toward the end. But here he's talking to the church at Philippi, and 
Am I losing anybody? I'm in Philippians chapter number two. But uh, he's talking to him. He says, if there if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels and mercies. And he, he says, fulfill you my joy that you be like minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. As a church, we want to move forward of one mind. Now, this is simple to say, but not always simple to fulfill. If somebody starts pulling their own way, it's like two different oxen in the yoke. One's pulling this way and one's pulling this way. You're not really going forward and you're not really getting anything done. Amen. Amen. But when we line up together as a church and our eyes are on Christ and we're looking down that line and we see what the goal is that we want to win people to Christ. We want to be a testimony. And in here we see in in this uh, passage, we see. Number one, we see a humility of mind. And number two, he talks about our test, the testimony, and then he gives some examples. So when he talks about humility of mind, he's talking about having the mind of Christ. He says in verse number three, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Now, I said we take this for granted, but this was a revolutionary thought at the time. Paul is telling them to look on the needs of others above themselves. And sometimes we need to be reminded, but look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And then he points to the example of Jesus Christ here in verse number five. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He points back to Jesus Christ, and Jesus set the example while he was here on earth when, when he had a heart for people, when he, when he reached out to the lost, when he told the parables of the, of, the lost, of the prodigal son coming back, and you see the older brother's reaction, well, I was here the whole time, you know, and you didn't do any, you didn't even kill a fatted calf for me. And he showed that contrast between how we should rejoice when someone comes to the Lord. And it can be hard sometimes. I mean, when you know someone's background or you've been hurt by someone, it can be hard when you see them come to the Lord. How many people have you seen that sneer at jailhouse conversions? It's a tricky thing, right? Some, you never know if somebody's trying to... I, now, this is just getting nuts and bolts. You never know when somebody's just trying to, to, to fool you, when they're, when they're trying to speak spiritual or when they're trying to get on your side so that they can get something from you. You never know that. But we have to have our heart and our minds toward the Lord. When we, when we have fellowship with God, he gives us discernment on things. When we have trouble seeing into someone's heart, we ask God to show us. That's just nuts and bolts. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. John chapter 1 tells us how that God was manifest in the flesh and dwelt among us. The God, the creator of this universe, the one who had created all things, the one who was there when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, the one who, when you go back to Genesis chapter 1 and it says, and God said, let there be light, there we see Jesus Christ. <coughs> we see him at the beginning of creation. 
Yet he humbled himself as a servant when he came and he allowed them to beat him. He allowed them to crucify him. He allowed them to put him on the cross. And why did he do that? He did that for us. Y'all acted like y'all weren't going to answer that. That's just a rhetorical prayer. Man, he did it for us. He set himself aside for himself. He said, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Brother Grady, you said we just pass them. But uh, we're just going to have to get to know her better. So he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And through that, we see an example for ourselves to follow. Yeah, you can get hurt when you help somebody. You can get hurt when you open up your heart to somebody. But, but it's a tough thing. So wherefore, but look what happens when he humbles himself and said, wherefore, God has also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Because Jesus exalted, he exalted himself, he knew Look over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you will. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. History is already written. And I see it today. I see things happening today that were, you know, prophesied toward centuries ago. But here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, look at uh, verse number 22. It's talking about Jesus Christ versus Adam. It says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive, but every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ that is coming. And then come at the end, verse 24, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. And then it says, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. Just to translate that, everything's under him except God himself. Jesus Christ had dominion over this earth from the beginning, and he will have in the end. All those kingdoms will be put under his feet, yet he still humbled himself to allow that creation to put him on the cross. And uh, God will exalt him in the end. Back to Philippians. So we have the mind of Christ who, who for your sake and mine, Romans 5, 8 says, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ humbled himself for us. And I say it gets hard to, to forgive somebody sometimes. It gets hard to, 
it gets hard to put someone before yourself when you see them constantly messing up. And I know it does. And I'm not telling you to get yourself beat up, but I'm telling you that to have that discernment that God gives you, but to open your heart toward people, maybe when you wouldn't otherwise. You know, this, this almost sounds like one of those cushy sermons, doesn't it? Oh, we need to love everybody. We need to have charity for everybody. But this is talking about fellowship in the church, Paul's talking about. It's, it's having a love for one another in the church. If all we do is come here and we have church and we have meetings and people do power grabs and things like that, we won't be having church the way it was set up. So he says, uh, verse 11, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He said, wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. When I've preached this before, I've, I've talked about when you get saved, it's kind of like buying a new bicycle. All the parts are in the box, but when you open that box, there's a lot of nuts and bolts, right? You get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive everything. You receive salvation. You're sealed until the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. You, you are saved, but working out your own salvation, there's things that, God's constantly working on you. You'll never be perfect until the day that you're raptured out of this world or that you pass on into heaven. Are y'all with me here? I see some confused looks or mad looks or something. I don't know what. Is there something going on here I don't know about? I thought this would be an easy one. But he says... uh, He says, do all things without murmurings and disputings that you may be blameless, harmless, the sons of God. Let's see. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And that's where God's working on you. Some call it progressive sanctification to where you're, the closer you get to God, the more righteous you get. Do you understand that? It doesn't make you sinless, but it's your fellowship with God. You don't have to raise your hands, but how, how many of you gotten out of fellowship with God and you, it just seemed like your prayers don't get past the ceiling? You don't have to raise your hand, but you get out of fellowship with God. You start to fall out of church. You start whatever, but you start to get out of fellowship with God, and it's just like you pray, and just like the prayers, don't, you don't, they just don't get past the ceiling. But then there's other times you're in your word, you're in the word, you're praying to the Lord every day and, and you're fellowshipping with other believers. And man, it's like you're walking on water with Jesus himself. And, and the world, what the world does doesn't matter. The mind of Christ, he says, verse 14, do all things without murmurings and disputings. So there's a humility, a humble mind and an exalted Christ. If you want to be exalted in God's eyes, then be humble. Put others first. If you want God to exalt you, put others first. But that shouldn't be your only goal. Your goal should be putting others before yourself. He said that do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now, here's your testimony. 
and it, it gets a dangerous thing, you can, your testimony should mean more to you than most things. But your testimony is how people, when people look at you, do they see Jesus Christ? When Paul's talking about the, the church at Philippi, and they're shining as lights in a, crook, in a world, in a crooked and perverse nation, he's talking about a crooked and perverse nation. As we look at this world, as I see more and more going on in this world, I see a crooked and perverse world. There's nothing we can do about that. But we can control our relationship with Jesus Christ. We can, we can draw close to the Lord. We can be lights in this world. If you want to help each other, if you want to help be a help to others, be a testimony in your life, point to Jesus Christ. Be a light on a hill. And he says, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So it's not just a testimony alone. He says, holding forth the word of life. Are you also a witness? You're, you keep a clean testimony so that you can be a witness to others. Long time ago, I, I, I've told this story before. Well, I'll tell you something that happened this weekend <laughs> because it's relevant. Uh, Miss Gay came by here last night. They had, a, they had a whole petting zoo out in the front because our neighbors were having a big shindig or whatever. Miss Gay came up here, and some of them were back here in the church drinking. And then uh, she went and talked to the woman, and the woman said, well, you know, I only invited 40 people, but all these other people showed up. And Miss Gay said, well, because you're at a church. So the others thought the church was having something and showed up. So people come up, they show up, and then there's people drinking and smoking back here. It hurts our testimony in this world. You know, it's, it's nothing to fight the neighbor over. She was concerned about it. She pulled them back, you know, and stuff like that. But stuff like that can hurt your testimony. I remember a long time ago when I was at a work party, and I'm drinking the IBC root beer in the brown bottle, and I was thinking, you know, I really want to lead these guys to Christ. I got convicted about it. I'm not saying you got to be convicted about it. But if, if, if I'm drinking, if I'm doing whatever they're doing, if I'm sinning, I'm not much of a testimony. I'm not much of a witness. Holding forth the word of life. It's not just holding your testimony. That's called lifestyle evangelism. Y'all follow me on this? Lifestyle evangelism says, well, I'll have them over for barbecues and I'll, I'll have them in my circle and, and eventually they'll ask me, what's different about you? And then I can tell them about Jesus. Does it ever reach that point? Not often. That's a lot of barbecues. And if they get hit by a car on the way, then you've lost that opportunity. That's what we went through this summer with uh, learning to witness, learning to share Jesus Christ with people. But it's holding forth the word of life. It's being a wit, a testimony, you know, with your fellowship. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, he says. But it's also holding forth the word of life. It's telling people about Jesus Christ. How many of y'all say, oh, this is just basic preacher? But we need reminders. He says, holding forth, verse number 16, holding forth the word of life, 
And then Paul says, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. You know what Paul's true joy was? He celebrated, he, he got joy out of, the, out of the growth of those around him. When he talks to the church at Corinth and he, he straightens them out on things, it breaks his heart to have to straighten them out. We get a, a lot of doctrinal lessons from Corinthians. And the Galatians, when he's talking to them, is breaking his heart. But over here in Philippians, he's talking to a good church. He says that I may rejoice and that I have not labored, neither labored in vain. His joy was in the salvation and growth of others. He said, yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. And then he gives two examples. We see obedience, God working with you without disputing and sharing the gospel. We see Paul's joy, and then we see the examples. And, and the first one that he gives, and when Paul gives examples, uh, over in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, Be ye followers of me, even as, as I also am of Christ. One of the other things when you want to grow as a Christian is to get around good Christians. You want to be around someone that's following Christ. You want to, you want to, that's the point of fellowship. That's what we do in the church. When you look over in the book of Ephesians, it talks about, it talks about edifying one another, building each other up. We want to hold each other up. That's why you hold up your testimony, holding forth the word of God. And uh, it's, it's to be an example and a testimony to others. So, so he says, be you followers of me even as I also am of Christ. Everything points to Jesus Christ, points back to Christ, not to yourself. He says in uh, Timothy, we see Timothy as an example of selflessness. Philippians 2.19, he says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. We can get so caught up in our own world rather than the things of Jesus Christ. And Paul was running into that. The only person he could trust, Timothy, he's he's sending Timothy to them. He said, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. And you say, well, how does that happen? We see it in modern preaching today. There's preachers that are just in it for the money. I know that's hard to believe. But there's preachers that are just in it for the money. They're in for how big the offering is. I'm not lifting myself up, but I, I'm telling you, from that example over the years, uh, my, my father, and a lot of y'all know this story, my father told me a story from a long time ago. Living in Texas City, two guys knocked on his door, and... He opens the door, and they're from the church, and he's talking to them, and he says, you know, I was thinking about going to church. I had no idea how this happened or why or what program this was, but before they left, they said, would you like to start your tithe? <laughs> Ever since then, churches are about money to him. And I remember years ago, I remember a church offering a car for a prize or something like that, and it's like it's really hard to argue with that. I know another church that I had visited, and I knew somebody that worked there. And man, they had a they had bowling lanes in there. They had a 
They had a little restaurant on the side, and it's like, it's hard to say that they're not for money. You know, we want to put Jesus Christ first. So we have Timothy, Philippians 2.21, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. He said, but you know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he has served me with, served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so as soon as I shall see how it will go with me. He said, but I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. And then we have an example of caring. In Philippians 2.24, he said, but I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I suppose it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion and labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him therefore the more carefully, that when you see him again you may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because of for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. So, this is a brief one now. But it's the mind of Christ. As a church, as we read the church at Philippi, the one that had, Paul didn't have anything bad to say about them. And he was talking about their fellowship in the Lord. It's the mind of Christ humbling ourselves, putting others before ourselves. And you say, well, that's easy. We've been, you know, we know how to do that. I'm telling you, you grow up in America and you just think that that's just natural. But when you get into other countries or you get around other groups, it's not always natural like that. But our care, we we should be that as a church. And we do do that. That's what's so great about saying this. I'm not rebuking anybody right now. Is that fellowship, that one heart and one mind. 